Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We are off and running Thursday edition. I'll kick the coverage. Appreciate all of you choosing to start off your morning with us. And the biggest uh, story, I would say, as we come down the stretch of the NFL season, everybody's got three games left. The final Thursday night football game of the year is tonight. The uh, L.A. Chargers on the road as three-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Kansas City Chiefs, expecting for there to be some weather as you would know if you have watched Lock It In this week where there has been obsession on all the weather talk and everything else surrounding it. Uh, I am on the Chargers here, plus three and a half, and I'm on the over. I think it's going to be an exciting game right now, the over under 53. I think we're going to see some points scored. I think the Chargers are going to cover. It would not shock me at all if the Chargers end up winning this one outright. So, that is the side of the game that I am taking. I think this is going to. I think the Chargers are going to win, and I think it's going to throw a little bit of a uh, shock into the AFC playoff picture as we come down the stretch of the season. We already have a lot of the excitement about who's going to get in in the AFC North with the Steelers hosting the Patriots and the Ravens and the drama at quarterback there with uh, Jim Harbaugh saying. Uh, John Harbaugh, sorry, saying that Lamar Jackson is his quarterback. By the way, pretty good way to keep your job. You go with a young quarterback, it's hard to fire somebody who's starting a rookie quarterback. So uh, they play the Bucks in uh, Baltimore. It's possible 
that if the Patriots get the win over the Steelers and we get the loss uh, from the uh, from the uh, from, from the Bucks against the Ravens, that the Ravens could be in charge of the AFC North uh, as we come down the final two weeks of the season. Also, you've got three or four different teams all competing for that final playoff spot in the AFC. You got the Dolphins at seven and six on the road against the six six and one Minnesota Vikings. You got the Titans at seven and six on the road against the five and eight New York Giants. And then you've got a really interesting game with the Colts hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, both of those teams uh, trying to cement playoff status and make runs in the case of the Colts, and also go ahead and lock up the AFC. Uh, sorry, the NFC East. If you're a Cowboys fan, also. Got the drama of Carson Wentz, not going to play potentially for the rest of the season. What's up with his health status? He's had a lot of different issues across the board. There are a lot of good stories as we come into the new week of the NFL action. But it all starts tonight on Fox with the final Thursday night football game of the year. And I want to bring in the crew, ask you a couple of questions. One, I think Thursday night football this year has been a lot of fun. I think the matchups have been better. I think the storylines have been pretty outstanding, and I think they're finishing with a legitimately really good game other than what I think is going to be a great game between the Steelers and the Patriots and maybe the Cowboys going on the road against the Colts. This is one of the three best games beyond a shadow of a, of a doubt happening on a Thursday night. So you heard my side. I am on the Chargers, and I'm on the over. What do you think happens in this game, Danny G.? Because it's a home game for the Chiefs, I like Kansas City to win tonight. As you mentioned, there is going to be weather, so the headline could be just like the Rams. The L.A. Chargers don't like cold weather either. It's going to be 36 degrees and rainy at game time. And a couple of quick notes. Eric Berry looks like he's going to be returning tonight. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a huge boost for the Chiefs' defense. Kareem Hunt, he would have been big in a game like this, so we'll see how Ware and Williams run tonight. And for the Chargers, Austin Eckler has been doing a great job filling in at running back. And then uh, one note at wide receiver, the Chiefs signed Kelvin Benjamin kind of quietly last Thursday. KC says that he'll be part of their plans tonight. So Mahomes already, with all the great weapons he has on offense, it's going to be fun watching him add Benjamin to that list of offensive threats. Yeah, Benjamin's basically a big tight end at this point. Now, obviously, Kansas City's already got Travis Kelsey. Benjamin doesn't have great breakaway speed, uh, but I do think you're right that this is the kind of game where if they get into a, uh, a kind of a slug it out, if it's rainy, if they're not necessarily having a lot of success throwing the football, that this is where they would have really relied on Kareem Hunt to kind of grind out some yardage and grind out some first downs, and that could be impactful. Uh, Eddie Garcia, what do you think uh, is the play here? Uh, I'm also going with the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to play, and actually Austin Eckler, their backup, is out for this game, so they're oh, going to have to yeah. go Didn't know with that. third stringer Justin Jackson. He's a rookie out of Northwestern. But, he, but by the way, he's been playing really well, Justin Jackson. He's done okay. He's done okay. I don't, but he's not Melvin Gordon, that's for sure. And and I, I think that if they had Melvin Gordon at 100, percent I could see them winning this game. But I don't think I don't without him. I just don't see it. So I'm going to take Kansas City. I will agree with you, though. I would take the over in this game. Uh, what about you, Dub? What's your What's your read on this one? I kind of like the Chargers as well. As we all know, I mean, we've been over it before. Road teams on Thursday night football two and eleven so far this season, straight up. But the Chargers, they basically play a road game every week. So I kind of throw that one out the window. And also another thing, the Chiefs. They started off the season seven zero against the spread. 
Since then, just one, four, and one. So I like the Chargers tonight plus the three and a half points. Yeah, Vegas eventually usually catches up with you, right? If you start off and everybody's saying, oh, it's a sure thing, you can't lose betting on the Chiefs, and you're right. For the first seven weeks of the season, they rolled in seven and oh, one, four, and one down the stretch. By the time you catch up with the fact that they always cover, they no longer cover anymore. Uh, Roberto, what's the play? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs here. Thursday night game, Chiefs are at home, divisional game, and then like you said, Eckler is out. Melvin Gordon might not play. And the first game, Mahomes threw four TDs against uh, the Chargers. And um, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs at home. Somebody can confirm this. Eddie, you probably know this off the top of your head because your wife is a big Chargers fan. You guys traveled overseas to London to watch him play the Titans. I know Melvin Gordon is supposedly out, but he's making the trip, which is a little bit strange to me if he's not if there's a hundred percent chance that he's not gonna play, unless the Chargers were just fooling everybody when they tweeted a picture. I believe they tweeted a picture of Melvin Gordon walking out of the facility, right? Last night. I mean, I think if this were a playoff game, he would definitely play. I just don't see them risking him in this. I know it's a huge game. But it's a tough game on the road. I think that it's more important to have him ready to go 100% for the playoffs. Maybe they feel they can win without him, but I, I would be surprised And what could be a, maybe a sloppy turf there that they would put him out there. I, I, I'm, we'll see, but I don't think he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, I think all those are very valid concerns. I just think it's strange. If you've got a guy you're trying to get healthy, why put him on a plane and fly him to Kansas City and have him you know, walk around on that leg, have him stay in a hotel room and everything else? If I've got a guy who I'm trying to get healthy uh, for the season – I don't want to put him on an airplane and fly him to Kansas City to stand on the sideline in the cold and everything else. I want him to stay in L.A. and just keep getting treatment so that by the time – yeah, I think you're right uh, – so that by the time the, the games really matter, he's back and ready to go. Um, I also think you know the flip side of that is if you think he's close to being ready to go, wouldn't you rather have him for this game and then sit him out for two more weeks to get back healthy – for the postseason because you feel like, hey, we can get past the Ravens without him. Maybe maybe you can. Uh, and also we feel like, hey, we can get past certainly the Broncos without him. This is the toughest of the three remaining games that they have, I believe. And it's also the one that will determine whether they actually have a chance to win the division or not. If you're comfortable being the five seed, and maybe they are. Maybe they're sitting around saying, you know what? We understand the chances of us winning the division are low. We're fine being the five seed. We're fine going on the road against Pittsburgh. We know we've already beaten them. We're fine going on the road against the Ravens. We'll know we'll play them in, in December. I just think this is the game where you want Melvin Gordon. If he's in any way close to being able to go, this is when you bring him out and say, okay, he's going to be on the field for us because I think it's the most challenging game remaining on your schedule and because I think the swing factor here between if you win this game if you are a Chargers fan or you're a Chiefs fan, you're sitting back and you're saying, man, our division is wide open and suddenly there's a lot of nervousness because then you would be Kansas City going on the road against the Seahawks and the Seahawks basically pretty comfortable, right? They're great at home and they are set for that five seed no matter what pretty much in the NFC. So they got nothing to lose. They may come out guns blazing against you and just want to send a message about how good they actually are as the playoffs get closer. I just I just think this is a hell of a game, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen tonight on Thursday Night Football. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's Santa Claus season, and if a lot of you have been out to the mall to go stand in line for Santa Claus, 
um, you know the feeling of, uh, of, of that, especially if you have young kids with you. Um, and hopefully your Santa Claus stand in line will go better than what happened uh, yesterday in England. Uh, and this is an amazing opening paragraph. Organizers of a Christmas event have apologized to outraged parents after a fire alarm reportedly prompted Santa Claus to burst out of his grotto, rip off his beard, and scream at children to get the F out. The incident occurred in an event in the English town of St. Ives, Cambridgeshire on Sunday when a fire alarm at a nearby but unconnected event caused an evacuation of the building. While parents and children were already evacuating, Santa tore into the room, ripped off his beard, and started causing havoc. He came charging in, ripped his hat and beard off in front of 50-odd kids, and started shouting and swearing at people (laughs) to leave. Uh, and uh, it has created an uproar all over that area. Um, they've had to apologize for Santa. Uh, a mother told the local news outlet um, that she had to tell her children the man wasn't the real Santa, but an imposter who would be going on the naughty list. Uh, rough time. Rough go of it there for Santa Claus. But the holiday stresses can even get to Santa Claus, especially when there is a fire alarm going off. And so, uh, welcome into uh, into the real world, I guess, for a lot of kids out there at uh, at uh, in England who probably are really nervous that that, that Santa is not going to get their wishes, uh, especially this Santa Claus. Back to the real Santa Claus. Um, all right, let's bring in the crew. Is everybody here today? Do we know if Dub is actually awake and in, and in the uh, in the chair today? Yep, everybody is. Present. Everybody is here today. Well, that's impressive. Uh, all right, so I want to get. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's Dub. Thank did you, you change? Where's Dub? Dub, did you change your uh, your voicemail message after yesterday? You know, I need time to think about it, but I think I will change it. Maybe next week we can uh, circle back around and have an update on it. All right. Speaking of updates, by the way, uh, Danny G, uh, you're dating somebody, which is something you might should tell me before I try and get you uh, hooked up with Rachel Bonetta. <laughs> and she wasn't happy about uh, about uh, you making uh, making moves on Rachel Bonetta. Uh, I'm dating. I've, we've talked about how I've been on online dating uh, the, the past year. So, yeah. I've, year. I've, but it, date, what does that mean? Like, well, I mean, it's only the fourth date with this girl. Which is over how long of a process? Uh, about a month. I mean, that's, uh, okay. So it's new. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm also going out with a different girl this coming weekend, so it's not exclusive. <laughs> yeah, good move there. Yeah. Good move there. Oh, and she's probably listening again right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, like you uh, have to assume. Well, I forget. Sometimes, well, sometimes we have a lot of fun on this show, and we forget how many people are listening, and it comes back to haunt us a now, little bit. Now, the positive, though, is that the uh, last week we talked about the fact that you were getting charged 50 cents extra for your peanut sauce. Yeah. And then you suddenly got two free peanut sauces, so we may have the the, the, the places listening too. True, it has its upsides. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I got a text message right after the show, or a couple hours after the show yesterday morning, and you know she asked me how the morning was and all that, and then her next message was, "So should I wear my hazel?" contacts this weekend and i was like oh she was listening don't worry danny once you're married they won't be listening they'll be sleeping right Today, uh yeah well that's i don't know that my wife has ever listened to the show so uh, <laughs> I, I mean in all on i mean everybody in my house is still asleep right now for sure but uh but yeah once you're married they're certainly and i, and I don't like i t- asked my wife last night i was like hey have you seen we're doing a bunch of skits for the lock it in show 
um, on uh, on television. Now she does put the television show on downstairs. You know, I film it in the in my house, so that's at least on in our house. But but I was like, have you have you seen like we've done like twenty different skit videos uh, that we were recording while I was out in L.A. Uh, in November. And they're airing all these, and they're actually pretty funny. Rachel Bonetta is a really funny and talented actress, in addition to the fact that she's a good host. And so she and Cousin Sal, who's on the Jimmy Kimmel show, they came up with a bunch of different concepts. So we're doing a bunch of those videos, and we've probably done 20 of them. And my kids love them because some of them, like, we got into a food fight and everything else. And so I asked my wife last night, I was like, hey, have you seen – some of these videos are pretty funny. Have you seen any of these? And she's like, you guys are doing videos? Like, she had no idea. She had <laughs> I've done 20 of them. She had no idea they existed. So, yeah, once you actually get married, they won't care what you do for a living as long as the paychecks keep coming. That's the, that's the reality. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Rich Greenfield at Rich BTIG is with us right now, and he is a media futurist. He's a lot of fun to follow on Twitter. I'd encourage you to go follow him right now on Twitter at RichBTIG. And uh, let's jump in with him uh, right now. Rich Greenfield, final Thursday night football game of the year between uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs tonight on Fox. Seems to be a lot of optimism about this year's NFL package. The audiences have been great for Thursday night football. Do you get the sense that after a couple of years of kind of losing their way, the NFL has got its swagger back and the audience has followed suit? You know, I think there's a couple of things going on. I mean, I think some of the changes last year certainly uh, have done well just from kind of trying to speed up the game a little bit. I think scoring's obviously been a lot higher. I don't know, you know, I'm not sure high scoring always is the best thing, but it certainly uh, makes the games more exciting. The matchups, for whatever reason, maybe a little bit of randomness, but, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's been a good season. Remember, ratings are, are better. Um, they've aged a bit. You know, the, the older, you know, kind of the plus 50 generation is certainly driving ratings higher. But I also think, Clay, that there's a broader theme going on. You know, I think when you think about entertainment, so I'm not talking about sports, but kind of traditional entertainment series, TV series, I think consumers are really moving pretty dramatically away from watching those live. And so I just think there's a lot more people um, for football on Thursday night, on Sunday night. I just think people are less interested in going in and watching a, you know, something on ABC or on CBS or Fox uh, beyond football. And so I think it's actually creating more eyeballs available for football as people move away from the traditional shows that they used to watch on those nights. It is really kind of fascinating to see what's happened with the overall viewership trends for television. It reminds me a little bit, and you've been in media business for a while, back in the day when people first started to uh, to take, uh, you know, download music online and share it, and everybody said, man, you know, this has turned into a, a really kind of different way, different dynamic for the media business. Uh, and ultimately, the way that they've uh, adjusted there is they've started to make some money off streaming, but obviously the concert business has just exploded and it's so much more lucrative for artists than it used to be. Uh, do you think there's ever going to be a time? Like there was a, I think Reed Hastings at Netflix said, hey, Fox has got this right. I think live news and I think live sports are going to be basically the only reason why traditional broadcast television will exist. Do you think he's correct in that or do you think he's just being self serving? No, I mean, look, I think who really wants to watch a TV show? and have to wait week to week and have 20 minutes of disruptive commercials 
with forced story breaks um, so that you can put the commercials. Like, it's not a great experience for watching uh, a TV series. And I think when you've kind of lived through the experience, not just of Netflix, but HBO and Amazon, and there'll be more and more of these, I think Rupert's on to something. I mean, I think there is a shift, you know, in terms of Rupert moving, putting on WWE on Friday night, doing Thursday night football. I mean, if you think Fox, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's basically four days straight of sports. They're really, or live entertainment. They're really getting, from you know, all intents and purposes, they're really moving sharply away from entertainment television. And, Clay, when you look at the numbers, returning TV series, so... If you think about a show like Big Bang that was on last year and on this year, if you look at the totality of shows that were on both this year and last year, year over year, those numbers are down 16% in viewers. That's just a staggering number. And to your point on football, football's up mid-single digits. You can call it 4 or 5%. So the, sh- the change between football and non-football for you know, broadcast television is crazy wide gap. Do you think this is going to be the big question, I think, going forward uh, in the world of sports media? Can ESPN afford to pay for Monday Night Football to continue when their deal is up and here in a couple of years? They're already starting to talk about the negotiation continuing. And if they're not going to pay for it, can they afford not to pay for it? In other words, to me, ESPN's really kind of between a rock and a hard place here because one of the ways they justify everybody having to have ESPN as part of their cable bundle package is, well, people have to watch Monday Night Football. And yet, they're paying $2 billion a year now for Monday Night Football and one playoff game, the worst wild card game every uh, playoff season. No matter what it is, they get the worst draw. And Monday Night Football matchups have been a little bit better this year, but they've got an issue with their broadcast team. They've got to make some real decisions going forward. If you were Bob Iger, if you were sitting at the top and you're Jimmy Pitaro, how much is Monday Night Football worth to you? Can you afford to have it? Can you afford to not have it? I think this is a fascinating question. I mean, I think the you phrase it in the right way. It's, it's not so much can you imagine ESPN paying up for it. It's do you actually want to find out what happens to ESPN if they lose it? You know, obviously they'd save a lot of money. I mean, $2 billion for 17 games is, you know, uh, sort of insane, or the definition of insanity. On the flip side, you know, the reality is ESPN is entirely supported. You know, ESPN gets 8 $9 a month. So, like, all of your listeners right now who are listening to this, their cable bundle they're probably spending 80, 90, 100. Some of them are probably spending way more than that. When they look at their bill, 8 or $9 of that is going directly into ESPN's pockets, whether they watch ESPN or not. And so that business model is supported by having high-profile sports. Yes, there's lots of other sports on ESPN, but their 17 highest nights of ratings the entire year are Monday Night Football. So trying to live without it, I don't think it's possible. I think whatever the NFL asks or whatever the competitive bid is, ESPN has to pay more. So whether it's 2 or $3 billion, that $2 billion is going up, and I don't think ESPN has a lot of choice. They need to retain it. And the NFL has been pretty vocal and clear. You know, when you listen to them in public appearances, they want the Sunday to stay on broadcast TV so it really doesn't give an opening for ESPN to shift days. Yeah, it's well said. 
and and I think I mean I I just I don't know what they're going to do there, and in particular this also they'll, ties they'll in. make less money. Yeah. I mean the reality is ESPN is not going out of business because they pay three billion versus two billion. They'll just be less profitable than they are now. And also, they'll be able to bid less for other sporting events, which could be an issue because there's the talk that the college football playoff could be expanding to eight games. There's or eight teams, which would obviously lead to more games. There's when a would lot, that happen? Yeah. Uh, when do you think that would happen? Uh, well, so it's a good question. Um, what I was told when they initially signed to begin the college football playoff was a bunch of the big advertisers told me, hey, we signed six-year deals. Because those advertisers are in favor of a larger college football playoff because they tend to be college football fans too and they love the audience that it produces. And they said, hey, if you want to be smart on this, the way to think about this is we signed a six-year major advertising deal. And so, and they, the deal overall was 12 years, 600 some million dollars a year that ESPN's paying for it. And they said, when the six-year deals are coming up, they're going to come back to us and they're going to ask for a lot more money on advertising. We know how this works because they're going to point to the ratings and how popular it is and everything else. But they said that's the time when they theoretically would go and think about expanding to eight teams. Now there's some kind of college football power brokers saying, hey, maybe eight teams is the move. The reason why I bring that up in conjunction with Monday Night Football is this really could make it even more difficult for ESPN because I think if it's going to go to eight games uh, or eight teams, then you're going to have to pay at least twice what you're paying now, which means ESPN would also be on the hook for over a billion a year for the college football playoff at the same time that they're going to have to pay a lot more for Monday Night Football, which I do think then does start to become a major cash crunch for ESPN in terms of how to allocate resources. You're raising an interesting point. You know, nobody watches ESPN anymore for anything but live sports. You know, the ratings of SportsCenter obviously have collapsed. I mean, to me, SportsCenter in 2018 is Twitter. Uh, You know, that's if you want to see what happened in one of the games last night, I mean, you're turning to Twitter. You're not waiting for SportsCenter to come on and waiting for them to discuss the play. Uh, And so... The live games have been have really become all that ESPN really at its core anymore is. That's what it is in 2019 and beyond. I don't, you know, dropping content becomes very very difficult because what's left? Uh, if you're a distributor, you know, if you're Comcast, if you're Charter, if you're Directv, to spend this type of crazy money for ESPN uh, per month per subscriber, unless they're going to have the the the, the you know, kind of the ultimate in sport live games, I, I think becomes really challenging for them. And so uh, ESPN's really between a rock and a hard place. They've got to pay up because that's what they're known for now. But there's also, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but there's also probably more bidders. You know, you're going to see pressure from digital bidders. Uh, I bet even, you know, now that DirecTV is part of uh, a huge AT&T my guess is you see that whole complex, which owns Warner Brothers now and, and TBS and TNT. Remember, TBS used to have, or TNT used to have football back in the late 90s. Uh, my guess is there's going to be more bidders than ever before for these contracts. We're talking to Rich Greenfield. Go follow him. Uh, I'm telling you, you'll love it if you like sports media business uh, talk. At Rich BTIG is his Twitter handle. Uh, you, you mentioned these other bidders. There's been a lot of talk. I've written about it. You've written about it. Disney, as part of their merger with the Fox assets or purchase of the Fox assets, however you want to quantify that, has got to disinvest, has got to sell 
uh, divest themselves of all of these 22 regional Fox Sports networks where a lot of people who are listening to us right now watch their local teams on whether it's Fox Sports Ohio or the Yes Network or all these other different broadcast networks across the country. Um, And it appears, based on the stories that are out there, that they're having a great deal of trouble selling these assets and that there aren't that many bidders, although Amazon had been reportedly one of these bidders. What do you think about the business model of these 22 regional sports networks and how much money do you think Disney might end up losing having just paid a lot for them from Fox and made to sell them as part of the merger uh, guidelines from the Department of Justice? Clay, nobody knows better than you the passion that comes with local sports. You know, people, sports is really tribal, and, and you love your, lo, you know, if you love your local yes. team uh, and you're a diehard fan, you want to watch them not just on when they're on national TV, but you want to watch them on, you know, those local games. You want to see your Detroit Tigers. You want to see your, you know, your Yankees play on the Yes Network, too. The issue that you run into is much like everyone in the country is paying for ESPN, everyone in the tri-state area is paying for yes, everyone in um, the entire you know, um, Michigan area is paying for Fox Sports Detroit, whether they want it or not. And some of these regional sports networks, actually most of them, they're charging $4, $5, $6, some are even charging $8, like an MSG in New York, um, meaning everybody's paying. That is a really hard business model. When you look at kind of the way, you know, the, the cable bundle means a lot less today to your listeners than it did two, four, five, six years ago. People are cutting the cord. People are shrinking their bundles. And these regional sports networks, they need everybody to pay in. They need everybody to pay to make the math work. And so they're, they're a real problem. So when you think about buyers, Nobody wants to buy them. So, you know, imagine, uh, imagine you, Clay, personally buy an RSN. You, you walk into your negotiation with Comcast, and they're going to go, well, we're not going to put this into every cable system. We're only going to put it for the people that want it. We're going to tear it out, and it's going to be the, the, the Clay Travis channel, and only the Clay Travis fans are going to subscribe to it. Um, that might be great for consumers because it's only the people that want to pay for it. The problem you run into is, the business model requires everybody to pay in. And, and so you, you really need a buyer that has leverage. And so that's why Fox, I think, is, you know, remains the most logical buyer of these assets because they have a lot of leverage with the Fox Network, with FS1, so Fox News. So we'll see. I, I think it's become much more difficult than the Walt Disney Company expected to sell these assets uh, I don't think Amazon wants to buy all of them, uh, as you point out. They might pick off one or two. Uh, I think yes is probably a unique situation. But I, this has become much more difficult than, 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 than Disney expected it to be. Yeah, the other challenge is effectively you're buying an asset that's running through your fingers because you're just buying the rights to distribute the local games. And if those You don't teams, own the team. Yeah, if the teams decide not to distribute with you anymore and they want to move into a digital universe in the future, you've got a channel with no basis for existence without those teams, which I think, again, further complicates the business. It's great, I think, probably over the next seven or eight years. 
I think after eight years, it's potential that those channels are utterly worthless. So can you wrest enough value out of them to justify what you pay in the meantime? I think that's the challenge that a lot of buyers are looking at here. Um, let's talk about one. We got a big fight going on this weekend. Canelo is going to be fighting on DAZN, D-A-Z-N. I think a lot of people don't know about this brand or this network. Um, do you buy into the idea? And look, they've, they've spent a lot of money. Uh, they've got uh, a big money behind them uh, from one of these uh, kind of Russian oligarchs who made a ton of money, who is an American, but he made a lot of money in sort of the de-enders, uh, the sort of the end of communism in Russia. Do you buy into a company like DAZN, which is being run by John Skipper, the former president of ESPN, as a legitimate competitor over the next five to ten years uh, with the ESPNs of the world, or? Do you think they're going to kind of just be on the fringes occasionally grabbing up assets like they did with the Canelo fight? You know, first of all, when you have billions of dollars and you want to disrupt the legacy ecosystem and you don't have any legacy business, you can be disruptive, right? Like, so the problem with ESPN Plus, right? Yes. Is they, don't, they don't want to put Monday Night Football on ESPN Plus. They don't want to put the NBA on... Monday Night Football. They're not putting the college football bowl games on ESPN+. Plus. It's literally series A, reruns of 30 for 30, super rugby, random NHL games, tertiary UFC matches. Like The problem with being in digital is that it's often tertiary, or it's, you know, you're trying to have your cake in the, in the legacy world of cable networks, and you're trying to build a new business rather than really trying to shift to the future. If you look at whether it's Netflix, which is obviously has no legacy business, you look at the zone. The zone is not saddled with trying to support a cable network business, um, which gets paid eight or nine dollars a month. The zone is just saying, "Hey, we're going to try to cobble together a whole bunch of sports. We're starting with boxing, as you point out, with the Canelo fight. We've just done a big deal with Major League Baseball, so there's going to be a Major League Baseball." daily highlight show kind of a red zone for major league baseball for people who yeah live look-ins to exciting games like a red zone exactly that was step two like it it started off as boxing now they're baseball my guess is the zone has five or six other things that it's going after over the course of the next couple of years i don't think they're going after monday night football to be clear but i think they're going after a bunch of other packages and rights and they're not saddled with being kind of trying to live in both worlds, they're one to watch. I would keep my eye. I I think they have the ability to be a real disruptor. And as you point out, they have the former head of ESPN. He knows how to run the playbook of aggregating sports and building an audience. This time he's doing it purely digitally. Uh, If I was anyone in the sports world, uh, I wouldn't dismiss them. They've got way too much money. And I think that lack of legacy kind of infrastructure gives them a real advantage the way it's really helped you know in the entertainment world players like netflix break out we're talking to rich greenfield i encourage you to go follow him on uh, at rich btig fantastic follow on twitter if you're interested in the worlds of sports media business and the collision there what else is out there that you're paying attention to? One of your big theses, theses I don't know how to pronounce that word very well right now. It's early in the morning. And I think you're correct in this, is that it, you can't fight a two-fronted war. We have a similar opinion here. And so Disney is now getting into the streaming business. They got ESPN Plus, as you mentioned. They're about to re- release Disney Plus, which you have branded, I think, Disney, 
Disney flicks, basically. It's a Netflix competitor. Um, and the challenge they've got is they have this legacy cable business, which is still very profitable and which funds much of what they do as a company. And simultaneously, they are trying to, at the same time, create a Netflix business. Can you really win a two-fronted war like this? I think the answer is no. Your answer is no. Why can you not win? I just think it's hard when you've got, you know, when you're creating new content for the Disney Channel, when you're creating new content for ABC, for Freeform, for Disney XD, when you're creating content for Hulu, when you're creating content for the movie theaters, and you're creating content for Disney Plus, which is what they're going to call their Netflix competitor, it's just hard. Uh, you know, how do you tell consumers where to go to find what? There isn't like one home or one destination. I mean, heck, ESPN Plus versus ESPN, same brand, yet everything that's on ESPN, the channel, isn't on ESPN Plus. It's all of kind of the secondary or even tertiary content. It's just really confusing to the consumer. If you really want to drive people to subscribe and you really want to kind of win in streaming, you can be small. I mean, look, there's definitely people that are going to sign up. I mean, ESPN Plus has a million subscribers. You know, mind you, it needs seven or eight million to break even. But you know, you think about Disney Plus, they're definitely going to get subscribers. The question is, if they want tens of millions of subscribers, you've got to be really bold, and you've really got to put all of your eggs in the streaming basket. And I just think it's hard. All of these companies, whether we're talking about AT&T or Disney, they're having a real challenge basically disrupting themselves. It's that classic innovator's dilemma, you know. And I think if you look at Rupert, he's basically saying, look, sold to you, Disney. We don't want to fight this fight. We're going to do sports and news. You go try to build a Netflix and fight oh, that war on two fronts. We're, we're literally selling out because we don't even want to do it, deal with that battle. Rich, it's always fun. we got to get you on more often even. Uh, go follow him on Twitter, at RichBTIG. I know you got a busy morning. appreciate you spending the time with us, my man. Thanks, Clay. Great to talk. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It is Thursday Night Football, and the Chargers are going on the road against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in what is a massive Thursday Night Football game be airing on Fox, the final Thursday Night Football game of the year. And there is a ton at play. A lot of different storylines to follow tonight. Uh, we'll be talking about this a lot on Lock It In, certainly television show. You can watch 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, 2.30 Mountain, 1.30 Pacific on FS1 with me, uh, with Cousin Sal from The Ringer, with Todd Furman, who often comes on this show, and with Danny G's uh, uh, crush, Rachel Bonetta. All of that will be going on uh, on the show later this afternoon. But an easy kind of way to study this right now is – the Chiefs can basically lock up the number one seed in the playoffs if they win tonight in the AFC. That would get them to 12-2. and two. The odds of them losing two more are, I think, really low when you consider they finished the season with the Raiders coming to Kansas City. So effectively, tonight, if the Chiefs win, they win their division, but they also lock up the number one overall seed, meaning the road to the Super Bowl would run through Kansas City. But if they lose, a lot can change. Because if they lose, then they are tied in the loss column 
with the uh, San Diego, San Diego, LA Chargers. Both of these teams would be sitting at 11 and 3 as we come down the home stretch of the season. And I think there's a decent chance that the Chargers could manage to actually catch the Chiefs and swing them all the way from, man, we're going to be the overall number one seed to all the way down to the five seed. And what's the difference when you look at this? This is the way the system is set up in the NFL, the one thing that I think is unfair. Because it might well be that the two best teams in the AFC both happen to be in the AFC West this year. So how unfair is it that if the Chargers win this game and they're sitting at 11-3, and these two teams could finish at 13-3, and each of them, clearly have the two best records in the AFC, and whoever wins the tiebreak, and right now it would be the Chiefs with the tiebreaker, would be the one seed, and the five seed would be the Chargers. But it's also possible that the Chargers, if they win this game on the road tonight, could finish, win the final two, finish at 13-3, and three, and it wouldn't be a huge shocker if the Chiefs went on the road and lost in Seattle, which is a tough game remaining on the schedule, and the Chiefs in the space of three weeks could go from the presumptive number one overall seed in the AFC and fall all the way to the five. And then that would mean that they were going on the road against the four seed, which will be, it appears, the AFC North champ. Either the Pittsburgh Steelers or probably the Baltimore Ravens. So that's a seismic difference. Either you get to sit out for a week and wait for somebody to come to your place, or you have to go on the road in Baltimore or Pittsburgh, play in cold, bad weather, and try to advance to then go on the road potentially against the number one seed overall that's been sitting out waiting for you to come to town. That's a difficult scenario. So this game has got a massive amount associated with it as we come down the stretch for the final three weeks of the NFL season. Now, I also have been saying I think this is as wide open as the AFC and the NFC have been for a very long time, and I continue to maintain that that is the fact. Um, but this is uh, this is going to be, I think, a seismic story as we follow it. I gave you my gambling picks already. I'll give them to you again. I like the Chargers here. I think the Chargers have a good chance to go into Kansas City and win this game outright. They're three-and-a-half-point underdog, and I also like the over. I think there's going to be some points scored by both teams. I think this will be a fun-filled, enjoyable shootout to finish off your Thursday night football, and I think in general that all of this is going to tie in really well as we come down the stretch. Now, I also, in addition to that, so there's a lot of talk out there uh, in the wake of some comments that were made by some Big 12 and Big 10 um, athletic directors and power brokers. There's a lot of talk out there now that the college football playoff could potentially be going to eight teams. And I've been in favor, if you guys know, as you listen to this show regularly, I have been arguing for a long time that eight is the sweet spot for the college football playoff. And the more I think about it, and we're going to talk with Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports national columnist, who spent a lot of time on this as well. I think probably the best way to do this, in my opinion, 
is to just let the college football playoff committee pick the top eight teams. And then uh, I do think there's a lot of support growing for the idea of putting the quarterfinals on campus. So in other words, all four of your number one, two, three, and four seeds would get to host a home playoff game. Right now, there's not that much difference in the college football playoff in whether you're the one seed or the four seed. For instance, Oklahoma is the four this year. Alabama is the one. Does it really matter, considering you're playing in a neutral site, which team was the one and which team was the four? And it certainly doesn't matter at all which team was the two and which team was the three when you're talking about Clemson and Notre Dame. So I think if you really want to NFL up the college football playoffs, you need to do what the NFL does, which is give a home field advantage. Give a home field advantage to the team that actually deserves it and play those four games on campus so your one seed, your two seed, your three seed, and your four seed would all get to host a home playoff game. That would be exhilarating. It would be exciting. It would be really cool. It would bring into play some of the home field advantages based on weather. For people out there who are obsessed, like this is an obsession that seems to exist for uh, Big Ten fans who are trying to justify why their teams never win. It's like, oh, well, because we never get to play. The SEC teams never have to play in cold weather. Yeah, that's the reason why your teams always get their ass kicked. Um, But you would have four teams that would all get to host home playoff games. So you'd have Alabama hosting UCF, which would be pretty awesome, right, in theory. You would have, in your two spot, you would have Clemson getting to host, I believe, Michigan. I'm doing the final eight playoff rankings off the top of my head if I get these wrong. You would have three-seed Notre Dame getting to host, I believe, Ohio State. And you would have a four-seed in Oklahoma getting to host a five-seed in Georgia. And all four of those teams, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma, would get to host home playoff games on campus. It would be an extraordinary venue. It would be an outstanding experience for college football fans. And then after that, you would just roll right into the final four. Uh, The two semifinal games this year, they're taking place in Miami and in Dallas. And then the national title game is out in the San Francisco 49ers Stadium in Santa Clara. All of that would make a ton of sense. And it is now, I think, inching closer and closer to actually happening. We are going to talk with Dan Wetzel about that, Yahoo Sports National columnist. He has been instrumental in trying to make this happen. And I think that we are getting closer and closer to an eight-team playoff. We'll discuss that. We'll also discuss the Athletic uh, and uh, their story, which uh, is kind of put the uh, eight-team playoff on the uh, on the forefront here. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 